seen that blue screen like that before on a computer. Yeah, well, we're uh, doing a, a series today called Hitting Reset. When, it, when that happens, uh, it takes more than a reset, doesn't it? That's kind of a crash thing that's happened. They, they call that the screen of death, I'm told. Uh, I, I, I've had that happen a couple of times where I've had to go get help. I, as you guys know, I'm the worst with computers. Today, I want to talk to you, though, about the hope that we have in Jesus. And I want to share with you a story. I've been waiting this whole series with anticipation for this message today because the, t the person we're going to talk about today is such an example for each of us to find hope. But before we get started, will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for the privilege that I have to stand in your name and proclaim your gospel. Father, I thank you that you love us and it doesn't matter what's going on in our lives. You are there for us. All we have to do is reach out to you and call your name. And so, God, I pray that you give me the gift of preaching. Most of all, I pray Holy Spirit teaches each one of us what it is that you want us to know. And I pray, God, that your will be done in this service. We pray all this in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody together said, amen. So, when you have that screen happen on a computer and it goes down, you have to reload. And you know, sometimes in life, we have to reload. Would you agree with that? Have you ever hit the bottom? Anybody? Are you guys awake this morning? Hello? You ever hit the bottom and had to reload? I mean, and you've had to think, oh man, I, I don't know that I can do this. And the problem is sometimes, I don't know about you, but for me, there were times in my life when instead of reloading, I just kept plunging, going the same direction. Until finally the pain got so bad that I had to think, you know, I'm at the rock bottom here. I'm pecking that board like he was. And so when we see this, we know that we can go to God when we have a failure. How do we recover when we've completely failed? Something takes place in our lives, and we have to find a strength beyond ourselves. And I want to tell you something. Because of what happened 2,000 years ago, there's hope for all of us. There was a man, and he was born, and his name was Jesus. And an angel appeared and said, I bring you good tidings of great joy. And you know what that is? That's good news right there. And that good news is that when we hit the bottom, we have someone who will help us up. And his name is Jesus. So today I want to talk about reloading. And, and this is probably the greatest example of someone who, uh, who, who was always having issues for the uh, beginning of his walk. We see later that he kind of got it together. But I want to start off reading a passage of scripture today out of the gospel of Luke. And we're going to go to the 22nd chapter. We're going to start at verse 31. And we're talking about Simon Peter. And this is where Jesus predicts that Peter's going to deny him. This is where it starts. Now watch this. Pay attention. This is such a neat, neat story, the way this all unfolds. Simon, Simon, Satan has, has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have, watch this, repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said, Lord... I'm ready to go to prison with you and even die with you. <laughs> yeah. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow, tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. You will deny that you even know me. And Jesus asked him, when I sent you out to preach the good news and you did not have money, a traveler's bag, or an extra pair of sandals, did you need anything? No, they replied. But now he asked, take your money and traveler's bag. And if you don't have any sword, sell your cloak and buy one. For the time has come for his prophecy about me to be fulfilled. He was counted among the rebels. Yes, everything written about me by the prophets will come true. Now drop down to verse 54. Watch this. Because Jesus tells Peter what he's going to do. And then it goes on down. Watch this. So they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home. 
And Peter followed at a distance. You with me? The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard. They've come and they've arrested Jesus, and now these guys are following him. They're running. They lit a fire in the courtyard, and they sat around it, and Peter joined them there. Watch this. A a, A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. And she said, the man was one, this man was one of the followers of Jesus. But Peter denied it. it the woman, he, woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be the one, one of them. No, I'm not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a, a Galilean too. And Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. Can you imagine the feeling? At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and suddenly the Lord's words flashed through his mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. The apostle Peter, God used as an individual here, and he became one of the greatest heroes of the faith. But it wasn't without occasion before he got there. He has a story. You see, the story that we read is that Peter had a choice. We have opportunities to make choices in this life. And Peter had those choices. He denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. (laughs) Wow. Interesting thing about failing. We have all done it. But I want you to remember this. Listen to me. Failure is an event. It doesn't have to be our destiny. Somebody say amen. Failure is an event. It doesn't have to be our destiny. And what we're getting to see here with this story is an example of that, one of the greatest examples. If we look at Peter's story, we see that he failed, but he didn't give up, nor did he abandon his faith. And I'm convinced that it's not our failure that ruins us. It's what we do with it. It's what we do with the failure that happens in our lives, that we pick up and we let God pick us up. And pick up the pieces with God's help and move forward. It's so important that we see God after we failed. Instead of just plunging and continuing on. I run into people so many times and they say, you know, I've made a mistake. What do I do? And you give them advice. You tell them to read the scriptures. Come to, the, come to church. Get involved with people. And what they, they go right back out and get right back into the same thing. And then they come back and go, well, I don't understand why nothing's changed. Because we're doing the same thing. That's why it hasn't changed, right? We have to change. And, and Peter got this. Peter got this because he, he denied Christ, but he recognized that he'd made a mistake. You see, God has a plan for each person sitting in these new chairs today. He has a plan for your life. I was talking to a lady a couple of weeks ago, and she was talking about the meaning of her life. I said, give me your hand. I took her hand. I turned it over. I said, look at that right there. You see that right there? I said, that is your thumbprint. God created you, and nobody else has that thumbprint but you. It's a pretty simple illustration if you think about it. But yet it's beyond comprehension because God created each one of you uniquely. Who you are, and he created you for a purpose. And he loves you. I wish you could see your faces right now. Isn't that exciting? To know that God loves you and he created you with a specific purpose? Same thing with Peter. And he has a plan for our lives. And his plan is so much better than ours. So much better. And sometimes, as as we said a while ago, we don't understand but we trust him. As a person who's made many mistakes in his life, I find such hope in the story of Simon Peter. What a character. He's praising God one minute, the next minute he's pulling his sword out trying to cut somebody's ear off. 
Boy, I'm glad none of us are like that when we're driving up I-75 about 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Caleb, hey, praising God, somebody cut you off. What, what, what? <laughs> right? Come on, let's get this honest program we got going right here now. Yeah, I mean, you see that you identify with him, right? What a character. But an observation is that he had a life change with a risen Christ, and he was never the same. There's a change that happened in his life that only God can make in a person's life. Let's look at this passage a little closer. When we look at uh, chapter 22 of Luke, verse 32, there's something that I want you to catch that Jesus says to Peter, and it's so important. It says, so when you have repented and turned to me, strengthen the brothers. Now, I'm going to tell you something. We can't have a relationship with God without repentance. That's old school preaching. I know it is, and it's not popular, but it's the truth. Repent and be baptized was the theme. Come unto me, all you that are labor and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Confess our sins. Repent. And Peter did that. Did you see what happened? When you have repented, he says, the first step is acknowledging our sin. And as human beings, sometimes we have to let go and let God, so to speak. And it's the important thing that we do is that we recognize that we have sinned and that we need to repent and turn to God and give it to him. Truly give it to him. And when we come to him, he forgives us. That's a beautiful thing that God forgives us and washes it away. Peter did that. How do we know that? Because he was a changed person. He wasn't the same person. Watch this. Watch how the Lord got him past this in his failures. The first thing about this story is that Jesus did is he includes Peter from the very beginning. And it, not only did he include him, but he called him. He called him by name. He called for Peter by name. When Jesus died on the cross, was resurrected, was seen again, was walking around. In Mark's gospel, chapter 16, verse 7, here's what he says. The resurrected Lord says to him, now go tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. He called him by name, David. Can you imagine the guilt Peter had when he adamantly said, I won't deny you. I won't ever deny you. And three times the rooster crows, and when that third one went off, he remembered he denied him. But Jesus didn't forget him, and he called him by name. I want to tell you something today. He's calling you by name, too, and he's calling me. Coming to me, all of you that labor and heavy laden, all of you. And I will give you rest. You know what we call this in the church world? We call this grace, Bodie. This is good news. This is good tidings of great joy. What it must have been like to have been an epic failure like Peter was at that point, and then have them come and tell him, hey, he's calling for you by name. He's telling all of us to come, but he said especially you. And I want to tell you something today. You may have had an epic failure in your life, but God is there for you today. Man, you're a quiet bunch. Just, you know what? We ought to be, never, never mind what we ought to be doing. We ought to be jumping up and down, I'm telling you. This is exciting to know that the creator of the universe, the God of this world, loves us unconditionally. Whew. That's amazing. And he calls him by name. If you're out of sorts with God, I want you to know something. He's standing at the ready for you. He's standing waiting with his arms open. 
This is a guy who pulled a sword, Peter, and cut a man's ear off right in the presence of Jesus. In John 18, it says, Simon Peter drew a sword, slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into your sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of the suffering the Father has given me? You know, he, he was one thing after another. We see him doing this. And then look at John 13, verses 4 through 9 at the Passover meal. There they are all gathered around the table. Jesus gets up after the meal, puts a towel around his waist, and says, I'm going to wash your feet. And they all rest of them, not give an account of anybody else saying anything. But there's Peter over there, and he says, no, no, you're not going to do that to me. Not going to do that to me. Verse 6 says, when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? And then look at verse 7. Jesus replied to him, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. That's what we need in the world today is a little more foot washing, brothers and sisters. Symbolically speaking, we need to wash each other's feet. I don't like that. I'm a germaphobe. Are you kidding me? It's a principle. It's a principle. So Peter, he's, you know, he's having a fit with this. No, Peter protested in verse 8. You'll never wash my feet. I don't know about anybody here ever used the word never? How's that working for you? It'll bite you. <laughs> Dave said, it'll bite you. Yes, it will. Every time, right? Peter said, never. And Jesus said this to him. In verse 8, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. You see, it's humbling. It's humbling. It's a breaking down of our spirit and letting God have his way in our lives. And it's humbling when that happens. In verse 9, Peter exclaimed, then wash me, head, hands as well, Lord, not just my feet. He was kind of a rowdy guy, you know what I mean? But yet, he had such a heart. He had such a heart, and he had such a passion. In the courtyard of the story that we read, in verse 17, when they were looking for Jesus, you're not the one, one of that man's disciples. He said, no, I'm not. And yet, after all of that, Jesus sent for him by name. When I used to read this story, I used to think, how in the world could he have done that? How in the world could Peter have done that? He walked with Jesus. He talked with Jesus. He fellowshiped with Jesus. He was with him. And then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, he's denying him. I'm thinking, how in the world could he do that? And then it hit me. You've done the same thing, Kent Holland. You've walked with Jesus at times. You've talked with Jesus at times. And yet, there was a moment or moments and you know what he did, Jim Miller? He said, Kent, come back. Come here. That's the kind of God I want to serve. Not that I can go out and have a free pass to sin, because when I recognize what he wants to do for me and what he's done for me, I don't want to sin anymore. You see, there's the difference of repentance. When we repent and truly turn, the Lord takes that in our lives and changes us and makes it for good. And aren't you grateful for that today? Aren't you happy for that today? Somebody say Amen. Peter gets this. Peter experiences this in his life, and he contacts and comes face to face with the risen Lord. The Lord included him. You know, I've often wondered, where did Peter go after he denied Jesus? You ever wonder about that? The Bible doesn't tell us where he went. But here's something incredible we need to take note of, that after that happened, Jesus met with him. Yeah, the one that denied him three times, Jesus meets him, comes right to him and meets him. And isn't that just like Jesus? 
Isn't that like the one? Jesus dies on a cross, rose again, and over the next 40 days, he appears to some people before his ascension. He saw Mary Magdalene in Mark 16, verse 9, and tells them to go tell the disciples. He sees the two ladies, Matthew 28, and he says, go tell the others early on Sunday morning at the tomb. He says, go tell the others. Tell the disciples that he's risen. People say, I, don't, I have trouble believing this story. He was seen by over 500 people after the resurrection. There's a, a book out, if you, if you have trouble believing, I want to recommend this book. It's called The Case for Faith and The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. This guy was a journalist. He started out with writing a journal uh, report paper for, in Chicago for one of the papers and to disprove the existence of God. And you know what happened? As he went along and began to write, you know what happened? He accepted Christ. It's amazing, the evidence, if we will open our minds and see the evidence that really does exist for Jesus. He was seen by over 500 people. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 5, Paul makes a reference about Peter. He says, he was seen by Peter and then the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his own followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some are dead. They experienced him. His name is mentioned over and over again. He's one of the greatest examples of faith in the New Testament. Jesus met with him. Jesus included him. Jesus will meet with you, and he will include you as well. It's the gospel. Paul is talking about preaching the good news. He was preaching that Christ was crucified that he died and that he rose again, just as the scripture said, and he was seen by Peter and then by the 12. And I want to tell you something. I believe that. You may be sitting here today skeptical, but I want to tell you, I believe that. I believe that Jesus the Christ, the only begotten Son of God, came into this world, died and rose again. And in the power of that resurrection, we find hope. It's that power that's in your life and in my life. It's that power that changed Peter's life. And it can change yours. He made the list. He asks him to believe and to follow. And then there's something else that happens in this story. Jesus redeems him. And that's what God wants for all mankind. It's one of the things that when I talk to people, they ask me, how do you know that? And, I, and I've shared this before, because you see the cross. The cross is the greatest example in the world of God's love. It changed the world by what Jesus did on the cross. It gives us hope. It gives us hope. In this letter, we find that there's hope. And Paul talked about that. There's a story. Uh, Peter goes on, and, and, and he does some great things. But he writes a couple of letters himself. First and second Peter in the New Testament. And these are interesting. If you get a chance today, I'd invite you to go home and, and open your Bible and read those. But in the second letter, or the second epistle that he wrote, he opens that letter up. And you know what he talks about in that letter? This is amazing, because here's the guy that I've told you a lot about what he's done, and where, where he went, and what he, how he walked. You know what he's talking about? He was so passionate after he had this experience, and he encountered the risen Lord. He was so passionate. Read the book of Acts. He was right in the front line fighting and preaching. He writes this letter, and he is writing against false teachers. Do you know there are people out there that are teaching false doctrine? Yeah. The Bible says not everyone says, Lord, Lord, will enter in. 
That's why it's important that we know. And Peter's criticizing these people, but he talks about the return of Christ in this letter. And he understands God's love in a new light. And I'm going to tell you something. When you experience God's grace in your life, it'll change the way you deal with other people. And I'm convinced that the darker the room, the brighter the light. And sometimes, sometimes when it changes us, we share it to the point that it'll change others. Sometimes that happens. You see, God loves you and me so much. Peter wrote this letter, and he loves us so much, God does, that he wrote this passage of Scripture. Listen to this. Listen very closely to this passage of Scripture. 1 Peter 3, 8, the guy that did all the stuff that we just talked about. Watch this. This is how much God loves us. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. Listen. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord. Okay? A day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. Now, here it comes. The Lord isn't really slow about his promise as some people think. No. He's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to do what? Say it with me. Repent. Why is the Lord not coming back? According to Peter, it's because he's patient. What does that say about us? What that says for me and for you is that, you know what? It's important in Burlington Baptist to be about God's business in this, in this community. It's important that we share the gospel. It's important that we, we not just come in here and, and have our own little party, but it's important that we go out there and that we share the love of Jesus with everybody. Because you know what? There's a lot of people that have stories like this one that are broken. And here's the sad part about this. They think that God could never forgive them. And I've read that whole book, this whole book. And the only thing that I see in there that God won't forgive is that being unforgivable, is not asking him to forgive us. And so what do we do in 2018 as a church? We are a movement. We are the hands and feet of Christ, part of a bigger body in the whole world. What do we do? My prayer is that we go out of this place and we share the love of Jesus and that people see us and they see him. And not only that, but that we invite them to church. I'm going to ask you a real personal question. Don't answer it just in your mind. When was the last time that you invited somebody to this church? See, here's the thing. Discipleship is you find it, you share it, they find it, they share it, they find it, they share it, and it just keeps going. And that's what these guys did. And that's what Peter did. He went out and preached the gospel, and he had some issues in the book of Acts. He had some things that he was working through with, you know, his concepts, but God kept molding him, just like he's doing you and I, but he's calling us to share the gospel. Well, Kent, you know, I, I'm kind of quiet. I don't, I don't talk much. I guarantee you, if I know what your hobby is, I walk up to you and I mention that, you'll sing like a bird. Come on. Huh? Yeah, y'all, you don't even have to, all you got to do is say Harley Davidson to me, man, and you got 10 minutes of my time right there. I'll talk about bikes from now till the cows come home. Love to talk about it. Maybe yours is sewing. Maybe yours is your children. Maybe it's something that you're, part, you know, that you're involved in. But here's the thing. Christ changed our lives. Share that story with others. Peter did that. Peter did that. And he goes on to become pretty popular. This gospel of message is that God loves us and he loves us so much. It's the story of the book is God's love. 
from the book of Genesis to the concordance. It's the story of God's love. I love Philip Yancey. You guys hear me quote him a lot. He's a, he's a writer, a Christian writer. He's one of my favorite writers. Here's what he says about the Bible. In a nutshell, the Bible from Genesis 3 to Revelation 22 tells the story of God's reckless, that God is reckless with desire to get his family back. Man, doesn't that make you kind of feel good? To know that he's reckless with love to get us back, to be in a relationship with us. You know, I want you to remember the next time you think God can't use you. Well, there was a guy named Abraham. He thought he was too old. There was a guy named Moses who had a speech impediment. He tried to use that for an excuse. There was a guy named David who had multiple problems, yet he built a great kingdom. I mean, I mean, there are those that had problems. Jonah ran from God. God called him, and he got, you know, gone. Now, man, I don't know about you, but I've had the Jonah syndrome before. John the Baptist, here's a guy that's got some real issues, man. He's eating bugs. Wow, locusts. He's not your run-of-the-mill guy, you know. He's not who you'd hire to put on your sales team if you were a corporate guy, I'm pretty sure. How about the disciples? There's a, there's a good crew right there, man. They're all sitting around, and, and they're, they're like, you know, some people in a Baptist church on Sunday morning. That don't mean you're a good disciple if you fall asleep in the service, all right? Zacchaeus, here's, here's a guy, they thought he was too small. Paul, he was too religious. And then there's Timothy, he was, he was too young. You see, the conclusion of all this is what we put in our mind are the things that we put in our mind. God can use us, but we must be willing. And after Peter had this experience, after Jesus called him by name, after Jesus included him and redeemed him, he had a reformat and he went forward and the world was never the same. Yeah, Peter had his issues. Yeah, he was ashamed. Yeah, he repented. He didn't make excuses. Jesus included him. Sound familiar? Jesus met him. He redeemed him and he gave him complete restoration. And he wants to do that for you today. In fact, some of you guys may remember Peter by this, and some of you may have been there. I've talked to some of you that have been there. He, he, he went on to be so famous in such a world that this was built in his honor at St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. This is the guy who denied Jesus. Michelangelo painted the pictures. It was over a hundred years. You think the church didn't think a lot of him? The guy that I just read all this story to you about? The, the guy that made the epic failure 2,000 years ago? He's a saint of God and now in the church world. Interesting. Interesting. Yes. God can use you. God can restore you. I'm going to encourage you with that today. He can use all of us for his glory. But here's the thing. We have to repent and come to him and be willing. He gives us a choice. For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's the greatest story in the world, you guys. It's good news, Bodie. It's exciting news that God loves us. You see, God can use us all for his glory. And we aren't the message. We're just the messengers, just like Peter was. And Jesus is that message. And Jesus is the one and only Jesus that can make us new.
Thank you, God, for your word. Pray with me. Father, we uh, are so grateful for this man in church history. This man, Lord, who, who, who I identify with. This man, Lord, who I see uh, made the mistakes in life. But God, he turned. And he wasn't the same person that he was before he met you. God, we find hope in this story. We find hope in knowing, Lord, that we can hit reset and be reformatted. And that our operating system, we can have a new operator, and his name is Jesus. Thank you for that. And God, I pray just now, as we go into this time of invitation, that, Lord, if there's one here that's got a heavy heart today, carrying a burden, that they would give it to you, Lord. They would cry out to Jesus. Father, you love us so much. You care for us so much. I don't know what more to say. We love you, Lord. Have your way in this time. In Jesus' name.